want to do is I just, again, want to welcome you. Thank you for being here in our all-in service. I want to also, I didn't actually welcome our online audience. Hello. Welcome. I'm not sure how many are on, but I know that it's, it's serving a great purpose. For those who cannot be with us, they can jump on online and be a part of the service, which is wonderful. Um, let me just pray, church, because I, I, I need prayer. I want to deliver a word that is always relevant and will always bless us. But let me just pray for that. Dear Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, as always, to bring your word. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that uh, we serve a mighty God, a wonderful God. And thank you, Lord God, that I believe there are hearts here willing, Lord God, to, to grow and to learn, Lord God, and to be nourished by your word. Um, and I just pray, Lord God, that you help me to deliver what you want me to say well in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Church, I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Faithful with the Talents. Faithful with the Talents. And you might be familiar with the story or you might not be familiar with the story of the talents. And I'll just quickly share what that story is. There's a master and he's going away on a trip. And this is a biblical story. And he's going away on a trip and he takes his talents, his possessions, and he asks three of his servants to come to him and he says, okay, I'm going on a trip and I need you to take care of my possessions. They are his possessions. To one servant, he gives five. To another, he gives two. And to the last servant, he gives one. He says, I'm going on this trip and I will return. And he returns. So he goes on the trip and he comes back. And he calls his servants over, you know, to, of course, receive that which is his, his possessions. And he says to the servant with the five talents that he gave, how did you go? Um, yep, I've not only got the five that you gave me, but I actually went and invested the talents and I've got five more. I've doubled what you gave me. And the master was pleased and said, well, well, well done, good and faithful servant. I will trust you with more because you were responsible with what I gave you to begin with. And the same thing happened with the, with the servant with the two talents. He said, my possessions, thank you. Yes, oh, and master, I've doubled what you gave me and you have four talents. And again, the master was pleased and, and, and thanked him and said, you can be responsible for more. The last servant, however, who was given one talent, he came back to the master and the master said, how did you, how did you go? And he said, well, I was afraid of you, master, and I actually went and hid the talent and buried it and I'm giving back the one talent that, I, that you gave me to begin with. And the master wasn't pleased because he, was a, he wasn't a steward of what the master had given him. If anything, he went and buried it away. And so what I want to share from this passage, and I'm going to link everything that I'm saying from this passage. In life, we often want more, but are unable to manage what we already have. Okay? The story of the talents teaches us this very principle. When you are faithful with what God gives you, then you can be entrusted with more. Okay? I believe in many cases, less is actually more. Less is more. In other words, focus on what God has given you and do the absolute best you can with it. And you'll probably find that what you're given is actually enough. <laughs> I don't actually need more. What I have and what God's given me to take care of 
and be responsible for is actually enough. With that in mind, with that in mind, let me share five areas, five areas for in church Canberra that I believe God is entrusting us, everyone here, myself, everyone who serves, everyone in the congregation, entrusting us with to be faithful stewards of, okay? To do our absolute best with. To do our absolute best and say to the master, master, what you gave me, here it is, and I've doubled it because I went and invested in what you gave me. Let me also say that the five areas that I share have plenty of opportunity to get involved and to help us be faithful with what God has given to us. I, church, anyone who has kind of, you know, served alongside Joe and myself, we have shared the five kind of areas. I believe that our church, you know, is, has plenty on our plate to focus upon. And I love to be able to keep communication, not just to those who serve, but to the entire congregation so we know the direction that we are traveling. I know when I used to work in a distribution, right, center, that one of the most frustrating um, uh, problems in, amongst the people was the lack of communication, right? Whether it was the morning shift to the afternoon shift, there would always be a bit of disgruntled people because how, how come we weren't told? So personally, I would love the church to understand What's the direction? What has God put on our plates? What talents has He given to us as a church to, I believe, do our very best with? Not to do too much, but just to take care of what He gives us and to do the absolute best with. So some of the points that I'll, I'll raise, you've already heard because I've been preaching this in the last year. But the first one I'll say is, I believe, the priority of mission and discipleship. Missions, missions. The fact that we're involved in mission is such a joy. And I actually want to share something that I haven't shared with the church is that in January, on the 2nd of January, I'm actually going to India, which I've never, I've never been on a missions trip in my life. I think the, the, the furthest I went away on a missions trip was a local one, and that was how long? Does anyone know where how long is? I never knew where how long was until I went to how long. And it's a small little country town. And that was pretty cool. It was a missions trip. But this is going to be a next level. I'm actually going to go to India on the 2nd of January, God willing, of course. And I'm going to see what we do with my own eyes. I'm going to be with a team that takes care of the cataract surgeries that we are partnering with. I'm going to see that firsthand and stare people in the eyes and understand that the very work that we do as a church collectively, not just in Sydney, but in, uh, sorry, not just in Canberra, but in Sydney and in Melbourne and everywhere else, right, is a precious thing that we are doing. And our heart has always been church, always been this. It's not about the monetary figure. It's about the buy-in with your heart. And that means that we're all in different seasons, different places of life, but we say, God, as long as there is a need, I can do something. I can do something. Even if it seems like it's little in man's eyes, it's a different viewpoint from the master's eyes when he sees the sacrifice, but to be a part of it. And of course, it was a hill that I recently shared about was a hill that we die on, missions. 
It's one of our core values, which is so, so important. Making his last command, go therefore into all the world and make disciples our first priority. Okay? And we can do this by reaching Canberra as well as the rest of the world through our missions giving. Jesus himself taught us to broaden our scope, broaden your vision, right? He was under, in so much demand, everyone was grabbing at Jesus. Come and heal my daughter. Come and heal my servant. I need you. Come right now. Drop everything you're doing and come. Even on the way as he was coming, people were trying to grab onto just the hem of his garment just to be healed in, in such high demand. And yet, he always continued to have this in mind. I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. So I just love that example of Jesus that it wasn't just the one city, but he had a vision and a focus to broaden his scope, to broaden his vision that there are others in the world, which is what we do with missions, to be able to you know, buy in and to support what we are doing um, elsewhere. Lord, let us reach Canberra and the rest of the world. So that's the first number one talent, if you want to call it that way, of something that I believe as a church we can take absolute ownership of and say, do you know what? This is, this, is, this is what we're doing as a church, and I'm in. I'm 100% in, okay? The second one that we've obviously launched this year, which, was, which I think has gone really, really well to start with, is connect groups. I love the, the connect group strategy because it really reminds us very much of what the early church did, okay? The strength of the early church was their togetherness, Okay? They didn't attempt their faith journey alone. Can I just say, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, you were not meant to do your faith journey alone. Turn to the left and to the right and look at the people around you and realize that you're meant to do this journey. And I hope, I like, I hope you like what you see, by the way. <laughs> and if they're sleeping, just punch them and say, Pastor Dave's doing his best. How dare you sleep? Okay. But the point is, we're not meant to do it alone. And Acts 2.44 says this, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. It's something that the early church understood and if it wasn't for the early church's revival, let me ask, where would we be today? Right? The very fact that they understood togetherness allowed, allows us to sit in this church today and to be blessed by knowing Jesus Christ. The body of Christ is a family. Whether you like it or not, <laughs> the person next to you is your brother or sister for growth and development, I believe Connect Group is valuable, church. It's an opportunity for the believer, and it's an, also an opportunity for the leader. Because I believe there are many in this church, and I love seeing it, rise up into their calling. And to be able to you know, say, Lord, you've given me a gift. Allow me to offer the gift onto the church. Because it, it is meant for that reason. The Scripture says, church, that we suffer and rejoice together. We do that in close proximity, yeah? It's hard to suffer and rejoice together when we're set apart from each other. 
We do that in close proximity. And I believe there is strength in numbers. How the enemy loves to seek who he may devour. And when we are alone, we become a much easier target for him. There's strength in numbers. There's strength in togetherness. There's strength in that. And so connect group, number two, connect group is something that I believe if you're not a part of, you know, and there's no pressure to be a part of, but consider it as something that I believe our church is moving forward into this space that is really precious and is really going to take our church to the next level in our growth and in our maturity in Him. And I believe it's so important. The next one. Okay, so the first one was obviously missions. Second one was connect group. Third one is Sunday services. Now, Sunday service is a place where the saints are edified. Okay? The saints are edified. Let me read the scripture. It says here, 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The gift that He gives us is not for our own selfish reasons, but it is to be able to offer it unto others and to bless and edify the body of Christ. And of equal importance, and of equal importance is the outward focus that we have for the lost to come and meet Jesus. Church, if we, if this place is not a space where an unsaved person can walk off from the street and walk in and feel like they can get to know Jesus, then I feel like we've missed the point. I think our energy and our effort should be to facilitate a a space and a place where God's beautiful presence dwells with us, where whatever background, whatever circumstance you've come out of, you are welcome here. And our Father in heaven wants to know you, wants to be in relationship with you. And just like the prodigal son, come home. Come home and be with the Father. I believe that an outward-focused church is a healthy church, that we don't just focus upon our needs and our own things and, you know, and problems, but we start to think about others. And you watch what that, ha- what that does to your heart when you're focusing upon not just yourself, but others. I really believe there's health in that. 1 Corinthians 14, church, it guides us on the importance of structuring our services with order, keeping unbelievers in mind. So everything that Joe and I try and do and the, and the service team is to facilitate, facilitate a space that people can come in and get to know Jesus, right? Because that is so so important. If we aren't thinking about the possibility of the unsaved walking through the doors, I believe we have missed the point, as I mentioned. So one, missions. Number two, connect groups. Number three, Sunday service. Number four, number four. And I'm going to be bringing this to a quick, quick end. But kids ministry. Kids ministry. You know, Jesus was busy like no other, accomplishing the work of the Father. Now, talk about important work. He had a mission. 
He only lived on the earth until he's 33. He had to accomplish a lot in that small space of time. And yet, yet, being wanted, multitudes of people following him, and yet Jesus shows us that he didn't allow his occupation, as it were, healing the sick, casting out demons, to replace the importance of quality time for the children. I just love the example of our Savior. You know, so important, so, you know, history maker, and yet shows us a very important principle here. Don't neglect the children. The children are important, right? And the Bible says in Mark 10, Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. We want to model, you know, what is important, right, in our church from what Jesus said it was important, right? We're not operating in a way, I believe, that is just we're making things up and, and doing the best we can. I, I believe, let's model it from our Savior Himself. What did He see was important? Well, He said children are important. And so in this church, we have a wonderful kids team that does a, a great job. As Joe mentioned, you know, we're looking for a little bit of help in that department just to be able to ensure that our kids' workers have the opportunity to be also ministered to, right? Mary and Martha, who remembers that story? Martha was busy working and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? She was enjoying the company of Jesus and Martha was disgruntled, right? And said, aren't you going to like tell her off? She's not doing anything, right? But Jesus said, no, no, you've missed the point, Martha, right? But I believe, church, that in terms of our kids and how we operate, it's important that as a leader, as, as Joe and myself, as we try and lead this church, that we create a space that allows Mary and Martha to both be valuable in our church. Does that make sense? So we're not going to just have Marthas who are working all the time. We've also got Marys who can sit in the service and be a part of it. I believe having both of those elements are very, very important. So if you want to get involved in the kids' church, speak to Joe, speak to Candy, speak to Clarissa, speak to those who are involved. But... Um, Last but not least, I just want to quickly speak about our youth ministry. Um, and I love, this is the last, the fifth talent, right? So we've said missions, connect group, right? We've talked about, help me, kids ministry, Sunday service. And the last one is our youth ministry. And in Proverbs 22.6, it says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, the Bible is obviously speaking about parents, okay? It's instructing parents, teach your children in the ways of the Lord, and they will not depart. But what I love about the church setting, okay, there are elderly people, there are people of all different ages, and we as a family in Christ have the opportunity to teach our young people in the ways of the Lord, to support parents bringing up their children in the ways of the Lord, so that when they get older, they will not depart, but they will say, the house of God is the place that I want to be, a place that I will always prioritize above anything else. 
An exciting announcement is that on the 23rd of October, we will be starting youth ministry on Sundays. Okay, so it's going to be a, a space. We've obviously had a, a great um, ministry by Joe and John and, and the likes of uh, Candy and Clarissa in the whole young, uh, young people's space out there in, in the um, auditorium. But we'd love to evolve that and take it to the next level and create a space where we really cater for the youth in our church, right? So while you are being ministered to, while the kids are being ministered to, there's also a space in our church where our youth are ministered to. So it's a one-shop stop, okay? A little bit of a situation where we come to church and doesn't matter what age you are, you go out of that church knowing that God has met you in your, you know, in your own um, uh, understanding of His Word, in the way we uh, uh, engage our young people, which is different to adults, which is different to children, but everybody will leave the place built up, edified, and having an outward focus for Jesus. Next week, we're going to share a little bit more of the details, as well as um, I was hoping to show a little bit of honor towards some of our youth team, but Joe Lemek, who leads our youth team, was um, not able to be here today. So I'm not going to worry about that this week, and we'd like to try our best to be able to do that next week. Um, but, yeah, we want to show gratitude and honor to everything they have done, and I hope we'll continue to do in that space. And just on a side note, before I kind of finish with a last scripture, if any member of the church has heard about changes that we are making in youth, and you want to know a little bit more and understand please come and see me or Joe. We'll be more than happy to discuss and share some of what is happening in the new future. More than happy to have that time with you. But let me just finish with this passage that I believe sums up the whole youth ministry space so beautifully. It says this in Psalm 84.1, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even thirsts, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even, um, sorry, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. And then they will be praising you. And then in verse 10, it says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be without from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. I love this passage because it highlights the preciousness of the holy place, a place obviously in the Old Testament that looks a little bit different to what it is now, right? But if we take this passage and we relate it to what you see right here, this is a holy space, a space where I believe whether you're young or old, right, we are learning to have a love for the house of God, a place where God speaks to us, a place where we can be built up, a place where we can encourage each other, a place where we can pray for each other, a place where we can carry each other's burdens. That's the place that we are in right here, in this beautiful, special place. And that passage highlights that there is no other place I would rather be 
but in the house of God. Better to be a doorkeeper than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I would rather be in the house of God with God's people than anywhere else. Amen. Church, last verse, and I'm going to invite Joe to come up. And we just wanted to share a little bit of a, a song which, you know, really sums up, I believe, you know, what we've been speaking about in terms of, you know, the Lord building the house. And I'll read this scripture that Joe and I often read for our household and for the church. It says in Psalm 127.1, it says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What a powerful passage because it really reminds us, as I've said, we're doing our best. I started with the story of the talents. I'm saying, God, we're going to believe that in some way less is more because less is a whole lot and there's a lot on our plate. And let's focus on the five areas that I believe you've put on our lap and said, go and be a faithful steward of. But end of the day, in all our ambition, in all our efforts, in all our prayers, in all our believing, we can never go past this passage that says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Amen.